is Tracy Lamb, and you're listening to NARUC's Electrifying Equity, the podcast that brings awareness, education, and opportunities for inclusion and diversity. For today's episode, we will be discussing recent developments in digital equity. Now, here's your host, Judge Jamal Hudson. Thank you, Tracy. Our guest today is Dr. Colin Ryan-Smith. He has been a Google Policy Fellow as well as an adjunct research fellow with New America's Open Technology Institute, a senior fellow with the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society, and a faculty associate with the Berkman Center for Internet and Society at Harvard University. Dr. Ryan Smith, welcome to Electrifying Equity. So let's jump right in. Can you provide an overview of state digital equity planning and IIJA funding? It's a pleasure to be with you today, Judge Hudson. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you today. In November 2021, President Biden signed the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act into law, as we know, which set aside $65 billion to address the digital divide, or what we know as the gap between those with and those without computers in the internet in our country. As part of the law, $2.75 billion was allocated under the Digital Equity Act, and this act established three grant programs to advance digital equity and inclusion. The first two grant programs are for states, territories, and tribal governments to develop and implement their own digital equity plans. The state digital equity planning grant programs allocated roughly $1 million per state based on a formula to develop their digital equity plans. So the plan is focused on determining the digital equity needs of every resident in each state, but with a particular focus on what the law refers to as covered populations or those most vulnerable in our society that we also know need extra support in order to achieve broadband access and digital equity. So the law defines covered populations in this way. Individuals who are uh, low income, aging individuals, incarcerated individuals, other than those who are uh, incarcerated in a federal correctional facility, veterans, individuals with disabilities, and individuals with a language barrier, as well as individuals who are members of a racial or ethnic minority group, and individuals who primarily reside in a rural area. So that's really the focus of uh, what the plans should be um, working towards developing and supporting. So this focus on equity in the law is incredibly important and strategic, particularly based on the research that we know that's been done in the field for over 25 years that has shown that covered populations are particularly disadvantaged when it comes again to broadband access, devices, and digital skills needed to address digital inequality in our society. So in the IIJA, digital equity needs are centered around five measurable objectives, which have to do with one, the availability and affordability of broadband or high-speed internet service, two, the availability and affordability of devices such as laptops and smartphones, three, digital skills, four, internet privacy and safety, and lastly, five, the availability and accessibility of public resources and services online. For example, websites and services run by a state, such as the Department of Motor Vehicles website, public benefits programs, uh, and so forth. In addition, because the law is rightly focused on capacity building for digital equity, 
digital equity plans should conduct asset inventories or the plan should include asset inventories that determine the assets that already exist in a state uh, that can be helpful for addressing the digital equity needs of all residents in a state, again, with a particular focus on covered populations. Assets have to do with both social and technical assets that exist in a community, such as a public library where people might go to access computers and the internet or other places in a community that people depend on to help them with computers in the internet and their everyday lives. The second grant program is called the Digital Equity Capacity Grant Program. And the details of this program, as well as the third program called the Digital Equity Competitive Grant Program, are forthcoming from the National Telecommunications and Information Administration. But it is our understanding that the funding for the capacity grant program will be also used by states, territories, and tribal governments to implement their digital equity plans. And the competitive grant program is the third grant program under the Digital Equity Act. And so this is a $1.25 billion grant program that will fund digital equity projects, not necessarily through states. It will be more open to other entities to apply for. And we look forward to seeing the details of these last two grant programs uh, when the NTIA releases the details, uh, hopefully soon. So these are truly exciting federal funding opportunities that recognize states can and do play a critical role in helping to advance broadband access and digital equity for everyone. Thank you for that overview. Moving to the next topic, for our audience, what is the Digital Opportunities Compass? The Digital Opportunities Compass is a holistic set of metrics to monitor, evaluate, and guide state broadband policy as well as local digital equity initiatives. The Compass was co-developed by a group of academic researchers, including myself and digital equity practitioners, working together over this past year and published in a report by the Coelho Center for Media and Information Policy at Michigan State University, where I am also a research fellow. The framework is offered to support state agencies as they develop their digital equity plans this year. It's also meant to be a comprehensive framework to ensure that additional factors and contexts are considered that over 25 years of research, again, has shown can influence the outcomes and impacts of digital inclusion and broadband adoption initiatives. So through this body of knowledge and experience, we know that digital equity is more than simply providing access to technology and skills, as well as the applications to use technology and skills. It's also about context, such as local community and cultural characteristics, including issues related to equity and justice. Contexts also include broader social and economic factors, such as you know, the economy, jobs and businesses, it's also about governance. So by governance, we mean local, state, and federal policies that either enable or inhibit, in some cases, broadband access and digital equity, which often lead to questions about power. This includes questions about who holds power needed to make decisions and where is power perhaps unequally distributed. How do answers to these questions impact universal broadband access and digital equity in our society? These are some of the questions that the Compass helps to answer. So the Digital Opportunities Compass offers six components and indicators areas to guide broadband and digital equity policy, as well as local community efforts to advance digital equity. So these components are one, context, and two, governance, which I introduced above. 
The, th the third is focused on connectivity, which includes indicators related to the existence of network infrastructure, as well as accessibility, affordability, and adoption of internet service and networked enabled devices that use that internet service. The fourth is skills. This includes indicators related to a broad range of activities centered around digital literacy, including secure online practices, training, and skills attainment. The fifth component is application. So that this includes indicators related to the uses and application of digital connectivity and skills, while also considering additional, what we call in the academic world, socio-technical context, which basically means that it's difficult to separate the social and the technological aspects of, um, of technology in this work. The final component is outcomes. Now, this is something that many of us want to know, right? Of course, what are what are the outcomes of certain digital equity initiatives? So this includes indicators related to the broader effects of improved digital equity on individuals, communities, and states. So we believe there are several benefits to the compass for people who are working to advance broadband and digital equity. And we believe that it can be used uh, for the following concrete things. So one, it can identify key groups of factors that influence digital equity efforts and outcomes. It can be used to measure and assess digital equity efforts and outcomes over time. It can also be used as a standard set of metrics that can be expanded and, and customized really to meet state and community needs. Um, and it can also be used to build upon as far as possible on existing data and indices that are available, uh, most of which states are using currently in their digital equity plans. Um, the last two have to do with, um, you know, really being able to use the compass to augment existing data with new uh, qualitative and quantitative data that might be gathered that many, again, many states are, are um, gathering right now for their plans. But lastly, we think it can be helpful for those who are interested in innovative approaches to designing infrastructure, for example, to help automate data collection, um, thinking about how it might inform the quality measurement and router. So really, you know, more technical aspects of this work. As we explain in our report, the Digital Opportunities Compass is intended to be a starting point rather than the final word regarding the development of a comprehensive assessment framework to monitor, evaluate, and guide state broadband and digital equity policy now and in the future. Dr. Ryan Smith, you mentioned how important outcomes are related to communities. Can you discuss the roles of local and regional digital equity coalitions working with underserved and underrepresented communities to build an equitable system? Sure. So, I, you know, I first learned about local and regional digital equity coalitions and their importance to this work in digital equity back in 2015. I was conducting research on digital inclusion and meaningful broadband adoption initiatives for a project funded by the Benton Foundation, now known as the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society, and published in a report by the same name in 2016. During this time, the Federal Communications Commission was considering transforming the Lifeline Universal Service Program to include a broadband subsidy for qualifying low-income consumers. We know the Lifeline program was created during the Reagan administration back in the 1980s to help ensure that everyone could afford access to telephone service. While in 2015, momentum was gaining to move forward with updating the Lifeline program to include this 
broadband internet access subsidy, uh, and it, which recognized that broadband was a vital communication service, one that provides a lifeline to so many people in our country, much in the same way that the telephone did back in the 1980s. So for the research, I was particularly interested to know if the FCC created a broadband subsidy program, what else might the FCC consider beyond access to broadband to help create a successful broadband-focused lifeline program? So with the help of the Benton Foundation, I set out across the country and visited with eight different digital inclusion programs or organizations in seven different parts of the country to learn more about what community-based organizations were doing every day to work with underserved and underrepresented communities to promote digital inclusion and build a more equitable system. As one of the findings from my research, I learned that most digital inclusion programs were centered around the following four-part strategy. So one, providing low-cost or free broadband access. Two, connecting digital literacy training with relevant content and services that you know, made sense to people in their everyday lives. Three, making low-cost or free computers available. And four, operating public computing centers, so spaces even after people gained access to broadband and digital literacy training and devices, places such as public libraries where people could go to continue to learn and also to connect with other people in their community. So another significant finding from this research was that all of the organizations identified uh, had identified the importance of citywide and regional digital inclusion initiatives and indicated the strength in coming together with other community partners and collaborators to support this work and share best practices. However, funding was a real issue to support these broader digital equity coalitions, and that was until the COVID-19 pandemic hit and the nation went into lockdown, as we know well. So to understand the impact of the pandemic on coalitions, I began another research project in 2020 that was also funded by the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society that asked the following question. How are digital inclusion coalitions across the country responding to the triple challenges of the pandemic, growing economic inequality, and racial injustice facing communities of color across the country without access to broadband internet at home? And so I distributed a survey to digital equity practitioners who are also members of the National Digital Inclusion Alliance to learn more about the impact of the pandemic on their coalition work. And I found that digital inclusion coalitions that formed before the pandemic turned to focus their efforts on providing information and resource sharing, networking with others in their communities, collecting data to address gaps in digital access, and raising awareness about digital inequality. Coalitions that formed in response to the pandemic were more focused on organizing individuals and groups in their communities to provide some more of the basic digital inclusion activities such as low-cost internet service, digital devices, and training activities, again, more you know formal coalitions had already established. So I learned several other things about the challenges and opportunities of uh, the amazing work of coalitions during this time that I also include in the report. But coming back to where we started in the beginning of our conversation, it's been exciting to see both the growth of digital equity coalitions across the country, as well as how they have been integrated into digital equity planning processes in some states across the country. So here are three takeaways from my conversation with Dr. Brian Smith. The digital divide is a social and not a technological problem. The focus needs to be on equity to address the digital divide today. 
Artificial intelligence presents even more challenges and there needs to be more ways to ensure underrepresented communities are not impacted by digital technology. Community coalitions offer an opportunity for local communities to work together to advance digital equity. Dr. Rysmith, thank you so much for joining us today to share your thoughts and expertise on digital equity. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Electrifying Equity, a podcast brought to you by NARUC's Select Committee on Regulatory and Industry Diversity. We hope you found Dr. Colin Reinsmith's insights on digital equity thought-provoking and inspiring. As we wrap up this episode, we want to extend our heartfelt gratitude to all of our listeners for joining us in this important conversation. Your support and engagement drive us to continue exploring the crucial topics related to equity. Stay tuned for the next installment of Electrifying Equity, where we'll delve even deeper into the subject with more remarkable guests and valuable discussions. Remember to subscribe and be on the lookout for our future episodes as we continue to shed light on diverse perspectives and foster meaningful conversations in the equity landscape. Until then, keep electrifying equity in your thoughts and actions. And together, let's build a more inclusive energy future for all. Thank you and see you soon.